0: Hey everyone, Eric Watson here, freelance writer, player of games, writer, reporter of videos, and tabletop role-playing aficionado. Welcome to the Thursday edition of Bye Bye Weekly Behind the Scenes DM-only livestream Crafting the Deep, which I build, write, and prepare for our next session of Call from the Deep. If you're playing characters Gotwald, Max, Savra, or Toro, this stream is not meant for you. It'll be full of spoilers, but the rest of you are, of course, welcome. We stream our sessions live on YouTube every Friday. You can join our official Discord server with invite link in the description below. If you would like to support the channel, please check out patreon.com slash For our campaign, we use Roll20. And for streaming, I use OBS Studio. I promise I'm not wearing sunglasses. I have transitions, and I was outside uh, right before jumping on and going live. Uh, It is a sunny, gorgeous day. It's already like 75 degrees. Uh, Here in North Texas in late February, which uh, according to our local weather person uh, is still 20 degrees warmer than average right now. That's so this is not normal. (laughs) And I'm very terrified about what summer is going to bring. Very terrified because we've had a very extremely mild winter. And I we already had a, just a bitch of a summer in terms of just how hot and, you know, 100 degree plus consecutive days, all that stuff. And it's going to be uh, brutal. We cannot get this backyard renovated fast enough, but we are trying. I, I thought I was on the ball, right? Like getting our whole backyard situation going, uh, remodel all that. And, did, you know, a lot of adulting last weekend uh, thinking, all right, it's still, like, you know, it's not even spring yet, and it fucking feels like it's May outside, like, it's, or maybe April, I guess we're here. But, yeah, it's it's been nuts. Uh, it's also probably sweltering in this Earth moat. Ooh, nice transition, Eric. Uh, as we talk about the Pirate Skyhold questline, which is a shit ton of work for me, because, of course, I picked a uh part of the book that does not actually have a map and is kind of underdeveloped, uh which is not the fault of the designer. The designer uh gave us a lot of great locations in chapter three that are around the sword coast. And I took one that was only like a few paragraphs of information and just kind of ran with it from there, which is all of this. So yeah. But we're starting to fill it out. We're using a map from Seafoot Games there. Uh, which is so fortuitous, just randomly popped in as one of their latest maps. I don't even dig in the archives for that one, called uh, Swamp Village Ruins, I believe. I've linked to it in the past, but it's probably worth go ahead and dropping that in the chat again so folks can see that map. The basic version is free for everybody. I am using a patron version uh, as I am a patron supporter, which is just kind of the ruined version. And one cool thing is if you're a patron supporter of this Map designer, uh, you get different variants of the base map, and they're usually pretty cool variants that like change the biome or you know, change the uh, architecture and everything. And this is one that just makes it look more ruined and dilapidated, which is exactly what we're looking for. I was watching an older stream. Did you go to TCU? I did go horn frogs. <laughs> uh, yes, I did. I lived in Fort Worth, around the Fort Worth area for a long time. Uh, for gosh, I guess my last two houses plus an apartment. So maybe like 15 years or something around there. And now I'm finally moved away. Uh, I don't want to get too like specific. I'm sure people can piece it together. Uh, like where I'm located for safety reasons, but, uh, I'm still in, you would consider it still the DFW Metroplex. I will say that, but yeah, go frogs uh and I've populated the area I've got dynamic lighting in place as we can see here glasses are finally starting to go back to you know it's funny the transitions they're amazing I love it because never have to worry about sunglasses and you go outside and they go to sunglasses mode very very quickly but then if you go from very bright to indoors, it takes a while to change to where I'll walk in and be like, man, this place is really dark in here, especially if you go into like a, I don't know, an area that's not super lit up, like a movie theater or something, um, or a you know, bar or something or whatever. Like it you're just like, God, it's fucking pitch dark. And I'm like, oh wait, it's it's my fucking glasses. <laughs> There's still sunglasses for a while. I'm taking advantage of the doors and windows feature, by the way, which is something I haven't uh, messed with too often. I hope it doesn't give too much dynamic lighting information i kind of have mixed feelings now the doors are great but the windows i mean it makes sense that buildings would have windows but um i don't know how much you can see where it looks like on the map here where it kind of you know reveals some information but i I, i'm kind of okay with that it it feels like you know you would be able to peer in i guess there's no way to create sort of a a mid-tier like uh I don't know, a, a semi-obscured where it was like foggy or something. I don't know what I'm talking about, but that's probably too advanced for Roll20 to deal with uh, in terms of creating like a half to make it look like you can kind of see in there, but it's fuzzy, in other words. So it'd be something I'd have to like describe through Theater of Mind, but I think I'm okay with uh, letting people see. And, and this is all going to be uh, daylight regardless, so it should be fine for folks to see it. And I'm going to describe this area. This is not going to be a hostile area full of... Uh, you know, hostile lizard folk ready to kill the players. Uh, Instead, I'm going to create a faction of lizard folk who are going to create a a tense social encounter for the players immediately and will probably devolve into at least one battle with lizard folk, specifically against maybe like the overbearing uh, boss of the area. Hey, Jason, fellow alumni, that's cool. Or my doctorate there. Teach at TCC, where I'm sure you've heard of. Nice! That's awesome. That is cool. Uh, what what year? Uh, because I am getting to be an old fogie. <laughs> uh, I like I said, I I've lived in Fort Worth for 15. Let's see, so it was. I, I graduated in 06. Now I'm, I'm officially dating myself. Uh, 06 from TCU. I had to go an extra semester, but it was still the same year. So it was December of that year. And that was right when they were doing a bunch of renovations. So I never got to get any of the cool stuff when they upgraded everything. Like they upgraded the whole, the, they, they expanded the student center area into that whole middle part of the campus, which was a parking lot when I was there. <laughs> uh, that was the big upgrade. They put all that in afterwards. Uh, literally, my my last year there, it was all under construction, so I never got to experience any of the cool stuff. Nice. So you were probably, so you were there during the construction. That's awesome. What a fucking small world, man. <laughs> it's, it's not a big school. Uh, it was exciting watching them go to the championship uh, two years ago. Uh, I have read that, Yes. Yeah, Critical Role alum is, is a TCU alum. Yes, I did read about that years ago. Uh, that was That is pretty neat. It's, like I said, small fucking world, but that's funny. <laughs> yeah, and uh, all my, well, I say all my friends. So uh, I was not one of those that went with my high school buddies to go to the same school. We actually all split up from high school. All, all the gang from uh, the, uh, th- that you see me play with, uh, we've all been friends yeah throughout high school, and for some of them, even, I I met. Raymond in middle school, um, and Ray went to UT down in Austin, and then Chris and Reese both went to Baylor, so we all went to different schools, and we have fun little uh, rivalries uh, when it comes to football and whatnot, so fun, fun, fun. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny, yeah, the, yeah, <laughs> I had my uh, my best friend in college and roommate Uh, was from oklahoma and so whenever ou played uh, tcu he's like i can't lose (laughs) because he had loyalty you know growing up and then he had loyalty to his uh current school so fun little phenomenon there so i've broken things down into regions uh in the earth moats into buildings where basically scenes are happening to try to keep myself organized i guess um, in terms of how this stuff plays out, which is the first thing that's happened is the, the airship is going to crash, uh, which I teased at the end of the uh, last session, and now I'll be doing probably like a deck save for some bludgeoning damage and whatnot. Uh, and then I'll describe the air elemental, which has escaped out of the balloon, is now has already wreaked havoc in the building, so that's why you can see I've got some rubble Created in this building to showcase that uh, the elemental has done some damage and is kind of ripped through this area, which means from the lizard's folk's perspective, uh, these folks just came in on a ship and released some kind of weapon that like destroyed some of their villages. So this is going to be a tense scene. Now, the lizard folk are weakened; they're sickly. They have. Uh, been here for generations, I don't remember how they got here, uh, and then the pirates came, took over, conquered them, used them as basically servants, uh, kind of kicked them out into, you know, I don't know, like the like the worst uh, buildings or whatever, and just kind of treated them like a serving class while they were there, and just kind of ruled over them and, and oppressed the lizard folks. They were not in a good situation. Then the dragon came, the, the big black dragon who the... Uh, Pirates had mistakenly chased, and now they became chased. The Black Dragon arrives, uh, essentially kills, and transforms the pirates into undead servants, and basically liberates uh, the lizard folk. So, you'd think the lizard folk are in a much better shape now. They also venerate and worship this Black Dragon, like the you know liberator that he is. However, the Black Dragon doesn't really care about the lizard folk so much, and he has delineated control. Through a leader who I'm naming Vile Scale, who is going to be this witch doctor up here, and this person is basically supposedly the liaison between the lizard folk and the black dragon, but really he's full of shit. Like he maybe once visited the black dragon, and the black dragon was like, "Yeah, fine, here's some, you know, items to, you know, keep things in a wraps or whatever." The blackness doesn't really care. He's kind of an asshole. Uh, he cares about the black dragon, cares about like necromancy and power, and he doesn't see these lizard folk as basically offering much in any case. Maybe he tried to like train their best one, which was you know this one, and uh, you know, hasn't really seen much progress there, so he's kind of uh, been ignoring him. But from the lizard folk perspective, he is very much this fanatical, devout uh, oppressor to where the lizard folk basically just traded one oppressor for another. But instead of the dragon oppressing them, again, the dragon's kind of an absentee landlord, it's really one of their own now who has been, you know, corrupted by power and has seized control through being able to have that connection and have some kind of spellcasting ability that the rest of them don't have. But instead of using that for good, for, uh, actually, I think I'll probably make it a woman. I think that'd be more interesting. lizard folk that way, a good foil for Savra. Uh, So I should be saying she and her... Um, so her name is Vile Scale as the Witch Doctor, and she can animate zombies. And she's got these really tough, which I gave them max hit points, uh, for Lizardfolk. Which this is the artwork that came with Call from the Deep, by the way, for Lizardfolk. There's also a Lizardfolk Commoner I found, which I will use that more than the Warrior, because again, this is not like a tribe that's going to be able to, you know, properly defend themselves and immediately go to battle. So I wanted to do this just to make it more interesting than just having to battle their way through the village and fighting everything because we're gonna have plenty of opportunities for battle. We've unleashed an air elemental in here. An elemental is a pretty strong CR five, you know, 100 hit point foe. Uh, That would be a pretty fun thing for the players to battle, especially if it moves around the village. And then eventually, which I haven't done yet, I do need to do dynamic lighting up here, which I haven't done uh, realizing I need to do that because the players have visibility and uh, they will have to battle all the undead pirates in the uh, stronghold because there will be no social scenes or reasoning with them. They're just controlled to defend that place. So I figure this is a good opportunity to use a social situation. The Lizardfolk will initially be very uh, borderline hostile, I think, but the design is for the players to be able to talk them down. They speak in Draconic only, but I have half the party who speaks Draconic, We've got uh, obviously, as Lizardfolk, and apparently Mac, as a ranger, knows a lot of languages, and he knows Rayconic as one of them, so they can both uh, speak the language. So they can uh, kind of diffuse the situation, maybe learn more about it. I do have a shaman character, because I initially was going to have the villain down here, but then I thought, oh, but this could devolve into a big fight right away, and I don't necessarily want to do that right away. So instead, we're going to leave the main villain, the Vile Scale, uh, witch doctor, necromancer lady up here in the kind of the nicest building of the bunch, and instead we'll have one of her like subordinates, lackeys. I picture kind of one of those like just Disney sidekick minion villains, maybe without so much comic relief. And uh, you know, blaming the players and really being the instigator, and then the rest of them will look more uncertain. And I, I do I also want to play the fact that they're like emaciated and sickly, like the lizard folk are not in good shape either. They don't have a lot of like weaponry, for example, because they were just you know serving class before, and they've only been able to scrounge whatever the, basically the pirates left behind. Uh, and because there's a limited, there's no like territory for them to control. There's no things for them to do. Like they're just kind of stuck here. And part of the dragon's ritual uh, was to poison the waters. So they're also they can maybe try to filter some of the water. Maybe that's where all their like technology has gone to. But also I just kind of figure they've maybe built up an immunity. They've lost a lot of their own. Uh, Because of the poison waters. And a lot of them are maybe, you know, even though initially everybody was very happy about the dragon coming in and getting rid of the pirates. Now there's some dissidents where they're like, well, you know, I guess we traded one oppressor for another. Now all of a sudden the dragon came and everything's all fouled and tainted. And like our one leader doesn't really help us. She just raises a bunch of undead zombies, which is kind of creepy. Like it's just, you know, most of the wildlife has been killed uh, because of the waters is poisoning, we're all weakened, like it's just a bad situation, so kind of a side quest for the players to pick up uh, and, and uh, the shaman, by the way, when will we'll want to go warn uh, his boss, and I also realized the shaman, shaman, lizardfolk shaman stat block can apparently turn into a crocodile, which I thought was kind of cool uh, chain, yeah, change shape magically polymorphs into a crocodile, although it technically it'd be an alligator in the swamp uh, as a I guess it's an action, but whatever. And and then they will can, you know, dive under the waters and maybe the Lizard Folk are... They're probably immune to the poison thing by now because the survivors have built up a condition. But I do have written in my notes that if a player enters the waters or tries to drink the waters, they will have to make a con save or get the poisoned condition, which is a pretty nasty debuff. Just kind of disadvantage on everything. So... They'll go warn the boss, and then that'll be the side quest, which is to go, like, kind of take this person out or maybe just try and talk it down. But that I do kind of want to make a fight because I think this will be a fun, like, you know, set-piece fight with certain uh, villains and probably a pretty big one. We've got the the witch doctor, uh, who I told was in love with you. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to give her Animate Dead... And I thought I was going to give her uh, a, I'm going to make up a, a weapon called a Wand of Sickness, which is just going to be a, just copy and pasted from like a Wand of Magic Missiles, but have it cast a Ray of Sickness. I initially had this like bolt thing set up, but I think just having it be able to like cast a, like a bone, like a bone wand that can cast Ray of Sickness uh, should be pretty good, which is, uh, what is it? It's 2d8 poison damage. That's oh, not necrotic damage though, is it? Hmm. That's eh, still probably fine. Like Necrotic damage would be more appropriate for a necromancer, but poison, eh, that works just fine. It's a a ray of sickening greenish energy. Or maybe it's got some kind of, I don't know, reptile in the end of it. I I can't think of how I want to flavor that necessarily, but that is something that the players will be able to loot after they defeat this person. Also, I'm tempted to give them some kind of a skull helmet, uh, like a, I don't know, headwear, and that gives some kind of necromancy powers... Uh, on top of that as well, so and obviously Savra would probably want to have all that. I I I just feel like I've been a little light on the on the magic items so far, which is a better problem to have than going too heavy on the magic items because you really can't take that stuff away <laughs> once you open that box. Um, but uh, hopefully they won't abuse that too much. But uh, CR three. With minions, so she'll have two animate uh, animated zombies with her, which there's actually a lizard folk uh, zombie stat block in I think Monster Manual expanded. Two regular lizard folk with max hit points, and then I do like the idea we talked about last time on the crafting is the ability for her to summon maybe on her turn a like zombie crocodile or something could be pretty spiff. Uh, I still need to come up with a token and stat block for that. I've not done that yet because I was doing everything else. So that is the idea for there. I have populated the area with a few lizard folk, but again, they're not designed to be hostile or really necessarily have anything to do, I don't think. Um, unless the players do something really stupid, then that can turn some of the warriors hostile, which there are a few around versus commoners, but I just see them as being pretty destitute and not having, Again, I guess if this were like a video game, then yeah, they would pick up some more side quests, they'd have some kind of bullshit fetch quests and all that, but I think part of the advantage of doing D and D is that the DM can get rid of, at least the way I do it. You get rid of all that kind of fluff and bloat, and you just stick to the big cinematic, cool stuff. Doesn't mean you can't have a side quest, but in this case, the one side quest I've got is like the major faction quest here, which is, "Hey, take out our oppressive, uh, quote unquote leader," and at least then they, and, and maybe they're hoarding like a lot, you know, the meager amounts of food and all that. So just kind of the classic, like. You know, uh, tyrannical leader situation where the people are just oppressed by the one of their own, take them out, and at least the lizard folk will be in better shape. Uh, now, part of them may be like, maybe you can talk to the black dragon also and put in a good word for us, but uh, that would be an additional challenge because the black dragon just doesn't really give a shit about any of them. Um, but, you know, something the players could certainly look at. Uh, in terms of the air elemental, so when they first jump down here, they'll see... I'll kind of play out this scene where the air elemental... Before I put them on this map, um, I'll put down the air elemental... Yeah, Mac sorry Sarva defusing. <laughs> I'm sure that'll work. Uh, I think it'll play a good cop-bad cop situation. Destroying this building and moving on, which will play out this scene that I've got written for... Again, the kind of the minion and you know saying, oh, it's invaders and all that. We need a, two arms, two arms, but... But play up the fact that the lizard folk look very weakened. They don't have a lot of weapons. They're kind of looking at everybody very nervously, and instead of coming out with weapons and ready to fight, excuse me, they're like shuddering, you know, their broken windows and like cowering behind their uh, homes and things, thinking this is the end, and they need to go, you know, this this is why we've got this tyrannical leader who's got all this power that maybe they can save us. Um, so I think that'll be a fun little scene. Uh, in terms of where the air elemental goes, I figure this. there's this one which I'm really just playing up this map that I found, so I'm kind of building around the map. Uh, we've got a long bridge here that I figure is an appropriate spot to uh, attack with the air elemental. I really like the idea of using this creature as a hit-and-run ambusher, because it doesn't have flyby, which I feel like every flying creature should kind of have as a baseline, I guess that'd make them too powerful, but it can move 90 feet in 6 seconds, which is bananas. <laughs> I'm not sure anything is that fast, I'm sure somebody will be able to give me something that's that fast, I know a lot of things are like 60 feet, which is still super fast, but this thing in 6 seconds can basically, what, like cross the battlefield, I think, what is what did I say, 90 feet? Okay, never mind. Maybe half the battle. Maybe a third. God, this is a long area. <laughs> All right, the whole length is 300 feet. So it can cross a third of it in six seconds in a single round through flight. So that's pretty good. So I'm not worried in terms of it being able to, in other words, exit a battle. Uh, you know, it can easily, especially going north to south, make it into a whole nother zone in a single round. Even if it technically doesn't turn invisible but I kind of think an air elemental, I guess it's not invisible, but it's probably the trickiest of the elementals to find. I don't know. I. It's not technically in a stat block, but it can squeeze into spaces as narrow as one inch without squeezing. Like, does it always look like a little whirlwind? And then does it always have eyes on it? But And, and plus, this is a 3D... I mean, obviously, it's always 3D, but there's no, you know, the sky above, and there's actually sky below, so it could technically go, like, up and down through this Earth mode, through different areas, so it could dive down into this, you know, area, and then it's gone, and then, like, reappear up here, so really be able to exit the scene and basically just drop the players out of combat. We did talk about kind of going with a Ghostbusters thing, even though this is not a ghost. Uh, Poor Gotwald just really wants to fight ghosts and giving them some kind of like proton packs. I'm trying to come up with stat blocks right now for making that mechanically interesting in terms of, okay, you you have to make a skill check versus an attack roll because you're like operating this device. And then that's versus like the target's AC. And if it hits, it can grapple them. The bummer is if I go with all that, which we talked about how much fun that would be for the Ghostbusters angle for capturing this thing, uh then I very quickly lose my ability to do the fun ambush thing if they don't manage to get that off so' I'm, I'm kind of, of of two minds in terms of of doing that I guess you could just have it do damage I did talk about like a Pokemon angle where they have to weaken it before they can capture it so I was always picturing doing some kind of a pokeball maneuver but uh maybe with the addition of having you know some kind of proton packs where they can shoot it and try to capture the creature, uh, obviously the creature could try to make its escape, um, but then the problem is is that it's action to escape, in which case if you do that, then the creature's not doing anything else, so that kind of sucks. So, I guess I have mixed feelings on that, so I'd, I'd like to hear what everybody's thoughts are in terms of the capture process uh, for this creature. I still like the idea that that's also a side quest they basically have, actually kind of a main quest, because it's they need to be able to repair their ship to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so they're going to need this air elemental back. But I like the idea of ambushing it and basically having it battle at different scenes, at least probably two, because I could have it fight them here. And and keep in mind, it can do its fun whirlwind ability and knock everybody 20 feet away. That's really scary because there's big old gaps where the people fall 100 feet. Um, that's kind of a death sentence for the players. So hopefully we can do something fun where, uh, I don't know, they get like knocked to the edge or something. I don't, I'm not afraid to deal 10d6 damage to them. It's actually not that much damage. What I'm afraid of is, like, well, now they're just not in this adventure for the rest of the adventure because they're 100 feet down there and there's just no way back. So that part gets a little bit tricky to, you know, it's it's fun to, like, tease this as a threat, but if I literally drop somebody down 100 feet down to the ground again, I'm not afraid of doing the damage. I'm afraid of taking them out of the battle because there's no way for them to get back up here in any kind of reasonable time. So that part's a little tricky. I could put a bunch of Sturges in here. I'm still tempted to use the Sturge Queen, but also with the Air Elemental and the Lizardfolk boss fights, maybe we don't need it so much. The Witch Doctor have a Spellbook Scrolls for Sovereign, the place of items you could buff her spell list or do both. I'm sure uh, she probably would. Uh, I've noticed that she's not really engaging with the Scribing Scrolls thing so much, uh, but we can certainly look at doing that. I think having a Spellbook would be appropriate um, especially if it was given to her by the, although I guess the the the, lizard, the the stat block is technically not intelligence based, right? So I guess that's the ones that actually use the spell book. I think they're wisdom based. Yeah, so it would be like it, it's your, it's your devotion to that uh, your god that gives you the power, which in this case it would be just maybe almost like warlocky or clericy, where it's like your devotion to the dragon is what gives you this power versus uh, having a spellbook. So that may be the angle I'm actually going to go with. But I will have, uh, like I said, a Wand of Sickness that the that she can use to just cast uh, the Ray of Sickness spell a certain amount of times. And then maybe some kind of cool like skull helmet thing that does like gives you like the False Life spell or something. I'll figure it all out. Wouldn't be able to tell it's the elemental. They're floating over the clouds. Can see low sky. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that would... Um, make it trickier to find the elemental, but but like I said, I'm worried that if I give the players, you know, specific temporary items that are designed to, you know, restrain a creature, then I can't actually do my ambush thing very well if that's what they're gonna try to do. But maybe that's also part of it. Is this thing is not? Maybe this thing just literally runs around until they're able to get the proton pack off, and then once they do, uh that prevents it from running. Maybe I, maybe it like doesn't drop its speed to zero, but it like halves its speed. And then if you do another one, then it drops its speed to zero. I figure I could maybe give the players up to two of these proton packs and then they can, maybe I'll have some rules about crossing streams. I don't know, because <laughs> that's something they're going to want to do. Um, and then that can add maybe a further incentive. And, and that way the creature can still fight once they get those off, Um, but if they don't, then maybe it can run around. I'm only really picturing two areas, which is this um, bridge down here, which is kind of the main bridge you have to take to get to the castle eventually, and then going up here, and I've already got this actual building smashed up. I guess I could leave it unsmashed, just because the players would have visibility. Um, The reason I did this is because on the map, it shows like what looks like kind of a blacksmith's thing, like a bunch of items on here, including a sword that's like 10 feet long. I don't understand how the map scale works here. Um, And that doesn't work here because the lizard folk would not have those kind of items available. So I was like, all right, well, I'll just wreck this thing. But I'm thinking, well, if I want to wait and wreck it till uh, after, uh, then maybe I could put a tree here instead. Wild magic table if the streams cross. That's actually not a bad idea. I was going to go with just a kind of a basic explosion, but I kind of like where your head's at. (laughs) Do we still like the, the Ghostbusters thing? I mean, it feels like everybody would, you know, immediately get the reference and have kind of fun with it. The only bummer with having to create rubble out of buildings is having to adjust the dynamic lighting on the fly. But on the other hand, if I make it different colors, that might not be too difficult. So what if we make it red? and nope, not a square just a pen line and we can just kind of draw it here maybe i won't do a window that'll stop that problem there we go so that's still i think works there and then we can put this here but we're going to put it on the gm layer so then we have like kind of uh dynamic building destruction I mean, everybody's gonna like the Ghostbusters idea thing, right? I just—it's just extra work because I come up with custom. This is a lot of work this week, and y'all, I have a patron game tonight that I'm also prepping for. Like, I really stretched myself pretty thin. I—I um, I still love this idea. I think it's gonna turn out great. But my goodness, it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's one of the rare times where I'm having to spend a lot more work. On the Friday game than the Thursday game. Because thankfully the Thursday game. They're actually about. not No spoilers. But they're about to enter a dungeon. Which is all thankfully pre-mapped. And has tokens on there and stuff. And I'm not making too many adjustments for them. Running it mostly from the book. Whereas this one is pretty much all me. Except for the concept of a earth moat. And the kind of underlying story with the pirates and whatnot. Um, this little tower. I like the idea of it. Uh, once being kind of the, you know, the major watchtower of the area that maybe looked over, uh, loomed over the uh, village, but it has since completely fallen into disrepair. There's no upper level anymore, if there ever was one. And the inner side I thought could be a cool puzzle feature. I haven't worked out the details of that. I really don't know how far the players are going to get this session between the air elemental, the lizard folk stuff. I don't know. I'm I'm confident we're definitely not going to make it to the castle itself, although I still need to put dynamic lighting up just so they don't see in here. Uh, but other than that, I don't know how much we'll actually get through. And sorry for moving the screen around so much. Um, I don't know how much we're going to get through the village, how much any of these. I mean, I think the elemental fight would take a long time. Uh, even It's just one creature, but it's pretty strong. AC 15, about 100 hit points. Uh, has damage resistance from non-magical stuff, although I think the players all have uh, magic attacks. It's, uh, it's immune to being grappled, so uh, Gottwald is not going to be very happy with fighting a Whirlwind. And it makes it does do a double attack with the very cool Whirlwind ability, although I need to fix that up in Roll 20. So each creature in the elemental space... That's right, because it can move into the space like a swarm. Let's make a DC 13 Strength save. That's a chance for Gotwald to show off. Uh, on a failure, a target takes 3d8 plus 2, which is pretty good. That's about how much damage it does with its attack bludgeoning damage and is flung up to 20 feet away from the elemental in a random direction, knocked prone. If a thrown target strikes an object as a wall or floor, of the target takes an additional 1d6 bludgeoning damage. Every 10 feet it was thrown. And again, I am I am legit worried about I, I like to tease the threat of the fact that the players could fall off, but I don't know what to do if I actually knock somebody off here. Like, it would be kind of disastrous. And it does say in a random direction, so... Uh, I, I don't I don't have a good solution for that because the players are literally... They, they got a bespoke vehicle to fly up here, and now they crashed it. And there's just no good way to get somebody back up if they do fall other than like, hey, you need to play another character right now. Like, you need to play one of the NPCs like Spellix or Blista, which would be bizarre to do, I think, for our campaign hasn't come up yet. Um, has has any of you had to deal with a situation like that where there's a chance the players not die, although that very much would be the case if somebody died from the falling damage? There's nobody down there to help them. Well, that's not true. You could You, you would roll death saves and you could stabilize yourself. And then you would eventually heal to one hit point, I think. So I guess that, that wouldn't necessarily kill you. But the bigger problem is you suddenly separate them from the rest of the party. I guess the the thing that would probably happen is the party would be like, Okay, well now we need to make sure we take care of the air elemental. We get the air elemental. We return to the balloon. We repair it. And then we leave and go grab that person. And then we come back and resume the adventure pacing wise that feels really funky because we've done the exciting crash landing and i I would you know what's going to happen is they're going to be you know quote unquote repairing the ship while the players are on this adventure and then by the time they come back of course the ship will be repaired versus they're here doing all this but that's the only thing i could think of to handle that situation is like okay okay we have to go get the elemental now um we got to make sure we capture it return it Maybe spend a few hours or whatever helping these guys repair everything. Probably deal with the lizard folk. But again, we don't have the other person this whole time. We were doing this, by the way. The other player. Um, they could they could take over one of the NPCs. And then have to just, okay, now we've got it repaired. Uh, hey, lizard folk, we're going to go uh, leave and go pick that person up. And then we will return. It's, I don't know. It's It's funky. I could also erase this gap right here if I'm really afraid of it, and not make that such a big opening. And then the play, and then the elemental would not have a chance of knocking them into uh, that because it's 20 feet away. Uh, first of all, it's only if it enters their space, so only if they're in a. They're not going to be in a four-person square. At at best, it's going to hit two of them, right? Because it's on a bridge. So, two of them get to make a strength save. They get a save, but strength, I assume, is not the forte for most of the party. Obviously, you got Waldo, i going to look at. He's got strength. Uh, and the Ranger has proficiency in strength. So, Ranger's got a plus five. So, we're obviously, Sovereign has a plus zero. And Toro has a plus one. So, you're looking at those two as being the most problematic with trying to make the save. Even still, they have a. I don't know, whatever it's a 40% chance or something. DC 13. Uh 20 feet away in a random direction. Which could very well, if basically if it's straightened, if it's any other direction, you could argue like, okay, well, you're on the edge or something parallel. If it's straightened north, uh, which that's one way I could lessen the chance. I could turn it into, instead of doing a D4, turn it in like a D uh, what is that, eight? So do like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, so it would be like just more directions. So you, you could do like the northeast, southeast, etc., quadrants. And then it's only if you basically roll a one do you go shoot straight up to the north. But, I mean, if you do, you're in you're in trouble. Keep the element away from the edge of the edge. Evident, and let him knock someone away in a random direction, not near the edge. The party knows it can toss them. The Eberron Book. They have a falling chart in Chapter 3 for Sharn. Could you possibly mat- modify that? Uh, I actually know what you're talking about. Uh, lumpy but um, which is cool the falling chart, from what I recall is is specifically in that city and it's because you can land on all kinds of different like flying vehicles or just like the equivalent of like clotheslines like just you you can kind of assume there's just shit along the way it's not just open space Um, unfortunately this is not the case we're not in the middle of a big vertical city Uh, We are floating on an island 100 feet above the ocean. (laughs) Which, actually, now that I think about it, if the fall does down you, uh, you're floating in the ocean. So you might actually be, even if you stabilize, I I think you sink and die. So that's not great. So yeah, it's going to be... I mean, maybe you hit a bird (laughs) Mm -hmm. on the way down, but you can't like grab on. So I don't know. Maybe you introduce... You go really deus ex machina, which might feel a little shitty, but like, okay, Eric, now you now you bring out the Queen Sturge. <laughs> maybe the Sturge suddenly sees this falling person, grabs it, pierces them instantly to do that damage, but flies it up to, like, its nest somewhere. Maybe the Sturges have made a nest. I don't even know where I want to put the Sturges. I wasn't going to initially put them anywhere, but maybe they're, like, over here or something. That would be very kind of, I uh, you know obvious that I'm like saving the person but the problem again I don't want to make it like oh I'm afraid to do that much damage to you I'm not Um, I'm just afraid to nuke that person out of the situation but that could also be fun because now you've introduced another enemy and you've separated the person into a nest so now I'm kind of talking myself into this maybe I can make a nest like over here it needs to be far enough out of the way and like fully separate that person uh, especially if my original idea, which was the air elemental does its ability and then like the trees, like several Sturges come out of it and then the air elemental escapes because I think the, the way you can have one, uh, you can have a, an enemy leave combat and still make it exciting is if that enemy generates more enemies and then that one enemy leaves. So now the players have to sit there and like, oh shit, we got to deal with these adds to use an MMO term. Uh, while the air elemental, like, escapes. So that might be something I'm also looking at doing, which is putting... And I did, uh, you know, tease the fact that there are Sturges around here. Maybe I won't use the Swarm so much, because that Swarm stat block is uh, a lot stronger and kind of painful for just a random addition. Swarms are, honestly, just one of the more insidious creature designs with how strong they are relative to their CR rating, because they've got the damage resistance, and they just do a lot of damage until... Uh, you take at least half of them out. Maybe I could just, yeah, spawn a bunch of like sturges. Uh, you know, in the trees like that, kind of disturbed by the elemental. You know, just rustles up, and you picture like just the all the birds taking flight. But in this case, it's just going to be a handful of sturges. Honestly, I can use more. They're pretty much get killed the one time they're used. Just throw some more sturges out there. Captain Mike, you are late. Thank you. Um, I have I have taken a beautiful map by a wonderful map designer and then edited the crap out of it. So my apologies to Seafoot Games, but I did attempt to make it look like a uh, an Earth Moat that is flying in the air and has like kind of irregular cliffs and holes and gaps and things. If you look too hard, you will definitely see. Uh, you know, the very obvious editing work that I put in there, but, you know, hopefully it's cool enough to see. I think I took out a whole building up here on this one when I made this one here. Because I realized it was all too, like, square-like, right? Because obviously the map's a square. So I tried to make it slightly less square-like and put a few fun gaps in there. I couldn't put them in the really tiny slots. Um, And I didn't want to go overboard with that too much. And plus, the swamp water is also going to be a hazard, right? I did mention at the the beginning of the stream uh, that... uh, falling into the swamp water or drinking it for some god awful reason will impose a con save or get the poisoned condition so the elemental knocking people away you know even if they don't make it in here that's actually the real fun thing for me is if they make it into the stagnant nasty poison water then they suddenly got to make a con save or become poison which is also a pain in the butt so definitely hoping to get that off plus if this elemental can do its ambush attack and actually be in multiple combats Guess what? It's going to be guaranteed to get its Whirlwind back, its recharge ability. In fact, I think its baseline got a 50% chance. Yeah, 4 through 6. So, you can assume, if it has a 50% chance every 6 seconds of being able to do its Whirlwind, as soon as it's out of combat, it basically recharges. I do love the Terra folk, but I don't think they (laughs) want to make them here. (laughs) It's too much. Keep it simple. Keep the ecology very simple, because... That's kind of the point of the lizard folk storyline here is that there's just no, um, there's not a lot of animals and stuff here. There's, there's the water's all foul. Like you really, the lizard folk are barely hanging on. And then the only kind of thing here would be these sturges, which probably prey on the lizard folk. And that's one of their, also one of their biggest concerns is having to deal with these uh, creatures. But I do like the idea. The problem is if I introduce the Queen Sturge, it's also like another boss fight, and I really got to be careful about all these things I'm throwing at the party. Now they are almost fully rested. They had that brief fight with the Sturges, so there's a little bit of damage, but they haven't really short rested yet, nor I think do they need to. And I want to try to pace this. I would like to pace this whole adventure out, where they don't actually have to take a long rest. I say that, but I could see them especially once they take out the undead here, which is going to be just a straight-up fight in this castle of them trying to assault this castle with the undead having the way better positioning. I could see them long-resting in the castle before going down into the dragon because they probably won't know, uh, which I'm still trying to find a good staircase thing that looks like it's descending into darkness. Uh, They won't know that the dragon is not going to be a fight. Instead, they'll be stealing themselves for a big battle. But also, they'll be able to learn some information from the not-so-hostile lizard folk that... You know, We don't really see the dragon around. We don't know what the dragon wants or what it's doing. It just kind of stays in its lair. Um, we do see people come and go uh, often on... In fact, I wonder how... It never talks about in the adventure, now that I think about it, how uh, Arbeck, who is the creature in the adventure, actually got here. Because that would be something that if I was a player, I would probably bring up. Um, is like, well, how does anybody like Because I do like the fact that Black Dragon does business with people, but it's not an easy place to get to. Oh, shoot. Where is this one? I keep trying to look for this one section that talks about this. I think it's under Pirate Sky Hold. Maybe. But somehow Gunnar was contacted by someone named Arbek who believes he's working for Sea King Tentrix. But how was he contacted is the question. How do other people get here? Because the Black Dragon is like a bit of a Mafia boss where he will do, uh, basically lend out his mercenaries for money and tribute. There you go. That's where it talks about how much he's got. Garandard and his Lizardfolk minions and four Lizardfolk shamans. 10 lizard folk and four Lizardfolk shaman. So I think I'm increasing the number of lizard folk here, but they're also not his direct minions. The only one that's really a quote unquote minion of Garandar is probably the witch doctor. And I guess she's got her loyalists. So she's got what did I say, two lizard folk and then two zombies. The rest of lizard folk are really not necessarily allied with the dragon. Also, not a lot of loot up here where it says if the characters can actually get Garandar's horde for an adult dragon. A lot of gold, like 11,000 gold. That's fucking insane. Like, sure, that pays for it. But in terms of, like, fun magic items, Bag of Holding, which I think every adventuring party worth their salt has by tier 2. Spell Scroll of Blight, okay. Two Potions of Greater Healing, and 20 plus 1 Bolts. And then supposedly they can get access to an airship, but that's not gonna be the case for uh, my campaign, because I'm... Unlike Tomb, where I was ready for uh, them to... Be able, or, or, or Rhyme also, where I was basically giving them some method. I remember they actually got an official method, but we just kind of stopped doing like random encounters once they achieved those things. Um, I, I think a big part of this campaign is the whole sailing thing with the ship. So I don't want to give them access to an airship at least until we've gotten all the way to defeating Tentrix. Then assuming we don't have any other side quest stuff we want to do it might actually behoove the players to give them some kind of fast method of travel in fact i'm almost tempted to just let them teleport to uh, purple rocks and then for the third act in the end game because if you look at the never or you look at the sword coast map that i'm using the distance traveled would just be the biggest pain in the ass in terms of the amount of encounters and things they could have just based on their ship but otherwise everything else is going to be i think that's going to be part of the adventure is going through a lot of Sea encounters and uh, kind of adding all that stuff in there. So, I don't like the idea of giving them an airship in this one. We had an airship in Rhyme, and then they just got a chance to fly on a little mini airship. So, not concerned about that too much. Uh, it doesn't. Uh, so, I guess Black Dagger's ghost ship can come and go, but I don't know if others can use it. So, does he like send? Because, how would other people still contact? I don't think it mentions. It never actually goes through with that. Uh, Fisher's Float. Kraken Society. Pirate Tag. We're supposed to build a secret. It says diary that's got it. Uh, On no a plan for a pirate attack headed by Bartholomew Black Dagger. I have to character Robin Neverwinter. Correspondence between Arbeck and Sea King Tendrix. Yeah, so it never. Really explains how, like, and I'm replacing Arbeck with Ned. How Ned initially got up here. So somehow they've got. Somehow people have methods. I don't know. But it's it gets a little tricky. Like there because the players had to get a very random, like, hey, it happens to be an airship here. They can convince to Goodyear blimp their way up here. I don't think Neverwinter normally has a way of getting around, but maybe. It's a hippogriff stable thing somewhere. I think Chris played with that in the. We did Storm King's Thunder. Hundred feet up, so dimension door from a ship would do it. Uh, that's true. That's true. So maybe wizards can just dimension, but the problem is you have no return. Uh, I, well, I'm, I'm. You're probably thinking of if somebody falls down. I'm, I'm also thinking of how Ned got up there. But uh, maybe, yeah, scrolls. If you had at least two scrolls of Dimension Door, you could use one to get up there. Is it like Nightcrawler rules, though, where you have to like see uh, the place? I guess you could still kind of see the place you want to teleport into. Any other spot within range, which is 500 feet. Uh, one you can visualize, or you can describe by stating distance and direction. Okay. Yeah, so the, the problem is you would have to have a scroll for both going there and coming back. But that is one thing you can do. Maybe, you, just, maybe the, you know, Ned had the resources to be able to buy those scrolls or, or something versus having to, like, fly up there themselves. Plus, if anybody wants to hire out... Uh, undead pirates from a Black Dragon. Chances are, it's not going to be just random people off the street. It's going to be people who have connections and probably have resources and have means of getting up here. I just got to make sure I know exactly how Ned got up here because that would probably come up uh, when the players ask about that because that could be something they, they bring up to the Lizard Folk too. Is like, well, has anybody else been up here? And the Lizard Folk can say, yeah, um, people come up here. They, you know, they, they magically appear somewhere usually near the castle uh, if they're coming in sometimes in the castle perhaps uh, we think or very rarely somebody might come in on a uh, some kind of magic you know maybe some kind of flying creature brings them up here or something and and basically they never interact with the lizard folk they they anybody who's coming up here knows ahead of time. they're not coming up here to like explore they're only and it's very rare they're only coming up here because they already know they want to meet with the black dragon and get some information, which I guess those people must phone ahead and make sure the undead. I'm, I'm probably thinking too much of this, and it really doesn't matter. But because like, why are the undead hostile then to the players immediately? But whatever, maybe the players did not phone ahead, so they undead would fight them. Plus, the undead—they already fought the undead once, so maybe if the undead do have some will of their the pirates, if they have some kind of will of their own, they would just be like, ah. You, come to try to finish this off. Well, it's not going to work and they would just have fun fighting the players. It's a lot going on. (laughs) I hope I haven't overextended too much, but you know, you take it, you take it one chunk of the time. I'm very thankful. I've got this map set up so I didn't have to make my own map or anything. That would have been horrendous. Um, So then it was just a question of populating it with the Lizard Folk, treating the Lizard Folk as a faction with their own kind of inner faction dispute, which allows me to still have a cool Lizard Folk fight, but make it so it's like a single cool scene boss fight versus kind of having to travel, you know, building the building and just having a bunch of Lizard Folk attack them, which, you know, that could be fun, but that's not what I'm looking for here because the players are going to already have a lot of battles set up for them. We've got the Air Elemental fight, which could be a multi-step fight, Um, we'll throw a few Sturges in there, and then once they make it to the Stronghold on the east side, the Fortress, I don't have anything to do with this building down here, I'm not sure what I'll do there, Um, then maybe, that's definitely going to be another fight, I haven't determined exactly what the makeup of the Undead are going to be, If I should do like a two-way thing up here, um, obviously, Bartholomew Black Dagger already has a stat block. He's a Revenant, and that's probably going to be a boss fight, although he won't be vengeful against the players. He won't be able to do all that. I may cut his hit points down as well, just because... I don't know. We'll see. Um, And maybe just using regular skeletons would be fine with a few, like, whites thrown in there, or Sword with Warriors or something, just extra. I don't want to go too hard, because we'll just... You know, well, you know, that'll be... We'll be able to make those adjustments, too. Um, while the players are making their way through the Swamp Village, we'll just be able to gauge the resources to see how they're doing, and that determines kind of how much uh, undead they'll have to deal with. The other thing we could do is have the players be battling the undead and then all of a sudden have them all stop. And then all of a sudden, like, they all put their weapons away, and then Black Dagger says, um, you know, the Vile One has agreed to meet with you. Maybe that's interesting, right? Because the players don't necessarily have any direct animosity with the pirates; they're just having to fight their way to get some answers, and they know they're gonna have to get to the dragon. Yeah. And at that point, I kind of show my hand a bit, tip my hand, and say, "Hey, this is gonna be at least potentially a social scene with the undead suddenly all like stop fighting, and then they re- which that, that that could be cool." Well, also, it solves my problem having to fight, you know, too many undead and destroy the party's resources here at the end, but also teases the fact that these undead are directly controlled by the dragon, so that they know not only is this an adult black dragon, which you really probably don't want to fuck with at level 6 they're at, but he's also got all of these undead minions that are at his beck and call. So that could be a cool twist, so maybe I might talk myself into that. Let's see we'll go ahead and draw i don't want to be on the light layer that's what i want we want the one-way lighting or i guess all of this going that way and go there that is not the right way flip the direction so i'm already liking maybe that idea of having the Having the undead and not fight to the death, but only fight until like the dragon like pauses everything and says, like, alright, the master will see you now, <laughs> kind of a thing. Uh which I guess not all the walls are one way. I kinda did that wrong, didn't I? Really only the battlements, which some of this is battlements versus wall. So like, that's one way. That's one way. Uh, this would technically be one way also, I think. Going that way, yes. And then maybe a little bit here, but then the rest would be... Going the other way. I'm starting to make the dynamic lighting on this Stronghold map, which uh, i have not done, but I realize I need to do because there's... Super Daylight here, so the players would... Even though they're not gonna make it here, I need to still block it off. Make sure that's all blocked off there. Oops. Ratched up the party paranoia, yeah. I'll be like, oh shit, this, this dude no, Cause I, I do wanna play him like a mob boss. Be like, the scary thing about him isn't the fact that he's a scary dragon. But well, that's also scary, but more like Kingpin, where he just knows things, he's a step ahead, he's got so much control, you know, like a, just a cool mob boss angle. I think that would be cooler. I, I'm probably canonically changing, like, this, I think this dragon is supposed to be, like, this generic, you know, nasty villain character, but hopefully this is a little more interesting. And gives me a chance for a nice social opportunity, and uh, also makes it where the... Uh, Dragon is not aligned with the villains that the players are after. He's just, he was hired out. So he's, you know, just says like, all right, well, what are you going to offer me for information? And yada, yada, yada. And I think that'd be a cool angle for the players to have to work with. Actually, let me finish making this one. That's not one way, it's just a wall. Right there. Okay, so we've got that much at least. I don't know if this is. Should be site blocking or not. I feel like it's not. Doesn't look like battlements. So I think I'm just gonna make a wall here. Also, maybe you should shrink this because you wanna make the tokens somewhat visible. In fact, if I put uh, like a skeleton. Give me a skeleton. If I put a random skeleton here, can you actually... kind of see that skeleton? Let's see if we drop... You cannot. Okay, so I need to make that square a little bit smaller. I don't have to do it now, but... uh, before we start, just because that's a... A good tactic so the players can see part of a token at least kind of realize like oh there's somebody up there even though they don't have the dynamic lighting up there at the moment it is going to be a busy encounter all right well i think this is going to do it for this thursday edition of crafting we've had a lot to talk about and we'll have a lot more to talk about because i think this whole adventuring location it will be fascinating to see how far they make it i will say that because i have no clue how far they'll make it or what they'll tackle or what's going to happen, which is part of the fun of DMing, I guess. But I don't know if we're looking at three sessions, if we're looking at four sessions uh, in terms of how it's going to go. Technically, we already had one session, but it was also like we only, you know, we spent the whole session getting here, which honestly is probably true of a lot of adventuring locations when I think about it. Um, So this is already going to be session two of Pirate Skyhold, but I'm thinking it will take probably at least three sessions uh, starting this week to get through this whole area, just I mean, fights alone are gonna take a while. So, but we'll see. Uh, it'll be it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I'm also nervous as hell because I've had to do all this work to put it together. So it's more reflective of can I balance things and making it fun. We will see. <laughs> all right, that'll do it for crafting the deep. If you enjoy the content as always. Please support me via Patreon.com/slash. Rogue Watson, out to Platinum Patrons, Joe, Will, Thomas, Stan, Brandon, Zenicider, Eclectic, Roll, Play, Roll, Christopher, Corey, Big Nut, John F., John L., Eric, Tyler, Nathan, Cap Crystal Lake Counselor, Andrew, Dell, The Reldron, Captain 79 Stephanie, Andy, Patrick, Jason, Ismail, Amit, Lumpy, Spuds, Koi, and Sharney Shout out to new patron Sharney and Gold Patrons, RPG, Paper, Crafts, Pretty Boy, and Yuma, DeLizard, Lion, Sam, Jerome, Nathan, Fasica, Tortoise, Scott, Rufus, Carolyn, Jerry, Thomas, Glenn, and Marcus. Thank you all very much for your support. If you have signed up for the Patron game, I will see you tonight. Otherwise, the rest of you, see you tomorrow for D&D.